11 o'clock comics, episode 36. That was a uh, that was a great cliffhanger. Kudos to you for uh, filling in the gap with my feeble attempt at humor at uh, when I said who had less than a minute in the pool for Chris to go off on Bendis, and it took everybody like a second to like what the fuck's he talking about. But I hear you tighten that up a little bit when I was listening to it today. You bet you I did. I make you guys sound good. <laughs> yes, we're, uh-huh. we're dumping on the guys that aren't here. In case you haven't noticed this. yet, <laughs> it's just David and myself tonight because uh once you listen to this episode you will realize that mr price kind of bows out early in the episode i guess angry drunken chris kind of scared him away oh please no (laughs) no i wish i wish i could have continued talking to to uh talk him down there were a couple of things uh for one (laughs) whenever someone says talk me down why is it that i hear Freddie prince jr from scooby-doo talk me down man did you see (laughs) scooby-doo no (laughs) <laughs> not all of it, not all of it. Or Josie and the Pussycats. Decent movie. You know, I was there for 35. I, I figured, okay, since since Chris wasn't there for pretty much most of 35, that I'd I'd give him the opportunity to shoot right. the shit with, with Steve. That I, I enjoyed listening to Steve. I didn't have uh, I didn't have a lot of interaction with him, which I'll have to rectify soon. But the, uh, the there was just there was a few things going on. You know, we're well. By the time this plays, by the time this is released, I'll I'll be back in vacation. We were on vacation last week. I'm going into work for a couple of days this week. Renee's on vacation until the 5th of January. So I, I had things to take care of. I figured, you know, we'll give we'll give Chris some, some time to talk for a bit. And um, I don't know if they'll hear this based on the wonderful editing you do, Vince. But, no, I no. mean, we, we, we were – there were some some drops, some, some – uh, Maybe some connection problems with with five people on, so I just figured, okay, I'll just I'll let everybody chit chat, and 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 I kind of think figured, okay, this is my Christmas present to everybody because <laughs> they figure it's it's so very little David Price that this is perfect for them, but I don't want to upset Dan or Chad, so I figured I'll at least say woohoo and and uh, say hi to everybody and then wish them uh, merry whatever so that they can enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. 
after you dropped out, even with four guys, we were still getting some kind of distortion every time Steve talked. And you'll hear that in, in, later on in the episode. There's a little tiny crackle in the background whenever Steve speaks. And I'm sorry about that, Steve, but I, I couldn't take it out without destroying your wonderful voice. So you just have to grin and bear it, guys. And, and it, the, the words that Steve speaks are much more important than the, the audio levels. So don't worry about that. So here you go. Uh, the second half of our wonderful discussion with Athena Voltaire's Steve Bryant and drunken, angry Chris Neesman and the rest of the crew, except for isn't David. Isn't it redundant? I mean, isn't, I mean, well, you can really? Be, you can be drunken and not angry. You can get into your, I no, but love as soon you. As, you, as soon as you add Chris's name to the end of it, it's like, <laughs> it's like you can just say Chris. Then here's Chris Neesman, and you just already have that image. You're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> You're so young. You're so young. Okay, so let's dive into the episode. David and I will be back at the end when we talk about a couple of things that popped up this week, most notably cheap-ass trades. We'll yes. leave it at that. We'll get into that at the end of the end of the episode. But uh, remember those words because you'll be using this site an awful lot, cheap-ass trades. Perfect name. I love it. I, I hate pretense. It's It tells you exactly what it is. What does this site do? It tells you where cheap-ass trades are. That's all you need to know. We'll be back. How much did you pay for um, uh, Tomb of Dracula Omnibus? You mean ninety nine ninety nine, right? Yeah, ninety nine yeah, ninety nine. It was what uh, forty issues, thirty five, whatever. Mm-hmm. The 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 omnibus are usually about thirty to thirty six issues. What is up with the Secret Wars omnibus? Twelve issues for a hundred dollars. Um, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I brought up on the forum today about the Iron Fist omnibus. It's it's 16 issues plus I think three one shots, and it retails for seventy nine dollars. That's in, that's insane. Unbelievable. Vince, are you saying you feel like you're getting Iron Fisted? A little <laughs> bit, but and then you know when you rationalize things and say, well, I can probably get it at DCBS for maybe half that if if the stars are in the right alignment but probably closer to 50 bucks which is more along the lines of what i want to pay but 79 dollars retail for the iron fist thing but vince you know what hmm. that's basically in line with the price per page for a marvel hardcover the average really? marvel hardcover is 18 cents page and that, by my math, I don't know how many pages it is, but if it's 19 issues, that's roughly 17, 18 cents a page. That's four bucks an issue. Okay, I don't want to like go off on a on a tangent here because Tiki right now is already ready to kill all of us. But this <laughs> does speak to a problem I have with with Marvel's uh, publishing. It's not so much a, a price gouging issue, but what what is the sequence that things are released in? I, I wish there were, was a consistent sequence because daredevil we have trades coming out and we have an, a, a, a massive omnibus of brubaker they're they they have not done their their premier hardcovers with with iron fist it was premier hardcover followed by trade paperbacks followed by an omnibus which is what they're doing on cap to make matters worse you have books like uh, runaways or the marvel adventures line that started releasing digests and then marvel realized they could do hardcovers so you got floppies and digests and hardcovers. And they, they, like they, don't, they, no, they don't have a system. Right, and there's no consistent strategy. And I just kind of feel like that's that, that irks me because 
where where do people jump on? And it's not so much for me because I've already made certain decisions about packaging I want to have on books. But in order, I I'm scared to death of of people people being driven away. Uh, before you got here, Chris, we were talking about people saying if Marvel books go up to three ninety nine or DC books go up to three ninety nine. What do you mean if comics? No, but I mean, if if everything across the line went up, people saying I'm going to quit comics rather than you know yeah. I'm going to check out Hellboy or whatever, and that's kind of my fear. With you know, we lost a bunch of people when there was the perception of gouging going on with uh, all the the covers and being on Home Shopping Network and all that jazz. And I'm kind of afraid with this trade situation of people eventually just saying, look, I've already bought this in four formats anyway. I'm out. I'm just tired of it. You know what I'm... Am I rambling or can no, anyone no. see a point? No, I, I think it's the continued evolution of what's going on with comics. And, you know, you're talking about different formats. It's like, is it you know, single issues to the premier hardcover to the trade paperback? Is it single issues to the deluxe oversized hardcover to the digest? I think that they're still trying to figure out what is the right format to hit. And I think it's different for different titles. Um, like uh, a book like Runaways, I thought was perfect to go from single issues to the digest. And just because it, it hits that particular market, there are other things that I think are good from single issues to deluxe oversized hardcover. Um, you know, honestly, you look at something like a uh, wonderful wizard of Oz, that is, you know, for you know my opinion, I would have been much happier if that had come out as an oversized hardcover as opposed to even single issues. I think that they're not wasting their time with single issues, but I want to see that written as as a big graphic novel as opposed to in the confines of a 22-issue comic. And I think that we're in a very interesting time in comics right now where there's a lot of different formats, but unfortunately we're pegged to uh, two major publishers that kind of control the the direct market, and so it's it, it's it's kind of skewing things, and they're not, in my opinion, taking a leadership role in format. Um, oh. You know, it, it should be, you know, how I would like to see things come out is is single issue to oversized hardcover to digest. I think that if something is good enough to put into uh, a hardcover, then, then damn it, it's good enough to put into a lower cost digest for people to just read. Well, Runaways mm -hmm. is a great example of how they fucked it up, though, because mm -hmm. it went from floppies to digest to oversized hardcovers, mm -hmm. and then the Whedon stuff was done in floppies, no digest, regular hardcover, and we still don't have the, the oversized hardcover or the digest, the two formats that they previously supported for yeah. their, their collections on that. So it just drives me crazy that, that they're, they're changing it midstream on that. Mm -hmm. Well, look what they're but, doing but, with, with, with Eternals. The Eternals just came out of left field, and I asked David... Who knows all things Marvel? What the hell was going on? You, you, ha you had the the Ramita Junior original miniseries that went from, you know, upscale single issues. Then, yeah, yeah. Well, it was. Don't, don't don't fucking mention Neil Gaiman. No. Well, all right, Neil Gaiman Ramita Junior series that that, <laughs> that came that you know where my loyalties lie. That that came out in in single issues. Then they released it in a hardcover. Okay, so you would assume that the Eternal series 
the ongoing would be released in the same way. And the first collected edition of The Eternals is going to be a trade paperback. Like, why would you do that? Well, okay, was the hardcover at least oversized? The Eternals original mm-hmm. miniseries? No, I, I don't was a think premier so. hardcover. Yeah. Oh, gee. But, so, right there, they, they blew it because they had collected all the Kirby stuff as an oversized. So you can't even... Oh, <laughs> it, they're yeah. downsizing with each volume. The next volume is going to be a digest. Well, I think what I think what's hmm. funny is is that is that like the per page and and Wood had talked about the per page cost that they're getting the highest the the highest amount on, on a per page basis on the front end on probably the worst delivery is is in the single issue you know it's like if you're going to have something on your shelf or something you know that you're really going to you know quote unquote take care of um or or treasure more it's going to be a you know deluxe oversized hardcover i love my omnibus and and uh and absolute editions out of all of my comic books and and they're making you know the the bulk of their money on the single issues it's it's just you know the the industry just kind of seems you know, pretty upside down in in its in its different formats and what you're paying for stuff it's like even right now if you buy a trade paperback if you skew that out as a per issue cost you're paying less for the trade than you are if you were buying it in the single issues and for me personally i would rather have the the trade than the single issues i could take every run that i have in my collection if i could take those single issues and trade them in for trade paperbacks i'd do it in a heartbeat if it was yeah, same here but that i mean that's true of uh for some but others very much prefer i mean i think relative to that pricing model it's and the seeming oh the mr mute button no i, I think he's just nah, choppy He's no, just, he's, you're, you're fading, buddy. Uh, that sucks. It's it's yeah. Oh, I, I might I noticed my signal's been weak since we went to uh, the five spot, but actually, you guys hear me? no. But all right, you know what? Then this will be. Then I'll I'll take a bow. I'll. Uh, oh, I can. I'll try. Say, I can. I, you know what? I was the interloper. I can. No, 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 no. People want to hear from you. No, listen. Who the hell? Why? Why are we arguing over who's leaving? Every, Chris wasn't here. I can. I trust me. I I gotta. Check on Renee anyway, so I'll I'll say good night. You're going to get some good loving, aren't you? Oh, he's going to get some loving. <laughs> it's a long trip to Pennsylvania. You better leave now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep rubbing your nipples, buddy. <laughs> Steve, I it was great talking to you. It was great talking to you too. And and I hope you're uh, hope you'll be back soon. I can't wait for uh, for Wood to take off again. Nice. <laughs> I I would love to come back because I have all kinds of format questions I want to ask you guys. Actually, cool. happy Hanukkah, David. Yes. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Merry Christmas to everybody. Oh. Happy Hanukkah to those. No, I'll I'll sure. Well, well, Vince hey, was talking about. Yes, sir. You're my favorite Jew. No, I doubt that, but thank you. I'm pretty <laughs> sure there might be a couple in Chicago you might find pretty fond. Oh, Vince was talking saying. about how we might try to. Uh, <laughs> we, we we might try to get together for something before next Wednesday. So, it, yeah. but if this if this runs long, I mean another hour. I'm gonna split it up into two pieces, and then we got our episode for next. Oh week. snap! Sweet, yeah. there you go. Then thinking, planning, scheming. Look at That's you. right. Love you, David. Night, guys. See ya. Ciao. Bye. I feel like I kicked David off the show. You I feel like I did. That's okay. Hey, Vince. Uh, David, Wood, Chris, um, it's Matt Burden. Um, I'm, I have a story to tell, and I'm not proud of it, but I am 
the moral of the tale right from the beginning is um i think i uh, i think wood said on the forum a little while ago or, or maybe on, on one of the shows he never reads comics at work and i'm kind of coming around to that and uh to take it one step further I work in, in real estate in the UK, and uh, it's very, very quiet right now. And, you know, the computer is there for most of the... It, it, you know, always there, and it's the, the devil box um, with its temptations. And um, so there it is, and from time to time I may have strayed onto YouTube or, um, you know, tried to tried to watch something, and, and the IT guys, the computer guys, um, you know, may, may have missed something, and I've been able to, to watch something. So... Um, to cut a long story short, uh, I get a call from my area manager the other day to say that a virus has been found on my computer, and it's because I've downloaded something, and I couldn't figure out what it was, and it turns out it was a, um, a, a gizmo to, to make uh, a media file play. And uh, what it was was I had a copy of 300 that I could watch at work, and for me, really, it was just I, I would get a kick out of the fact I could get that to work. I don't know whether I'd watch the whole thing, but... You know, it was there. It was going to be quiet over Christmas, whatever. So I get in a bit of trouble for that, and uh, I go for a disciplinary, and they then audit my hard drive. They find probably 2,800 music files on there, albums I have at home, didn't have a home PC. Of a weekend, I might put an album onto my MP3 or whatever, and I've just left it there. I've used the same computer for three years. And then they say, and there's a film file uh, that we found. And I thought, well, it can't be 300 because I have that on a memory stick. And I'm putting my hands up at this point. So they uh, they said, no, no, it's a film file. And uh, it's been uploaded. And I'm thinking, maybe I've put something on YouTube. So again, loser, you know, maybe I've got spare five minutes. I get distracted. I've gone on YouTube. I've uploaded something. Transpires that... Uh, I'd forgotten I did it, but I made a kind of a mockumentary uh, Watchmen trailer, um, kind of using the front of the graphic novel and then literally just looking at the camera and saying, you must watch it and read the book and it's good comics and blah, 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 and sorry this isn't the official trailer. Just shit, you know? It's supposed to look shit. Um, and <laughs> the IT department of a real estate company in the UK 50 branches nationwide um, finds this and then I go into a hearing yesterday with the director of the company uh, and he mentions this file and says that at tomorrow's um, summary I'll have this file available for my perusal so I'm kind of thinking I, at this point I didn't even know what it was I've I walked out of that meeting mm, probably about an hour ago I'm embarrassed the hell out of uh, I'm sat there and he's about to do his summary and tell me whether or not I'm being fired or not. Uh, and he then double clicks on a media file and it's me looking into a phone. I look terrible. Um, basically talking about Alan Moore and the Watchman in the office at a camera. Now, how out of context could that be? I, I had to basically say, look, I'm completely ashamed. You know, it's completely, you know, it's, it's trash. Okay, and from your perspective, sat there 
um you never read a comic in your life and probably never will uh you have no idea what i'm talking about and it just looks ridiculous and I, all i can do is apologize so he kind of summarizes and says look you've been with the company for five years and uh you just need to grow up really you're 30 what do you think you're doing wasting company time and and uh, abusing the system and i say fine you know i take the rap on the knuckles i get a written warning thing and i'm just about to walk out and for some reason a magnet pulls me back into the room and I pop my head round the door and I say, I'm sorry, can I, just on a side note, do make sure that you do watch, uh, see Watchmen. Um, it's coming out next year. I'm sure it will be good. At which point my area manager, who pretty much saved my job, gives me that kind of, what are you doing? Um, look, and I then go, oh, okay, bye. And it just strikes me that we can't let it go. You know, if there is the opposite, we're kind of like evangelists for comics. If there is the opportunity there to spread the word, we do, even in the face of, you're an asshole. And I was, you know? Um, 2009, it's going to be a better year. I'm going to crack on. <sighs> and Watchmen comes out. Hey, I just wanted to share my embarrassing comic story with you guys. Anyway, um, I hope that wasn't a depressing story, and you can all laugh your asses off at me. <laughs> Anyway, um, good luck uh, with the show tonight, and um, yeah, see you guys later. Bye. My no. jacked up Skype connection. Am what, I any better, you, or is that for all for not? No, you're you're no. you're good. You're good. Okay. I was just gonna say, in in terms of paying less per single issue for the trades, isn't that the way it should be? Because production costs should be uh, recouped. On the publication of the singles, I mean, if if they're not recouping at least their publishing costs and and the cost to the talent, one would think yeah. that they wouldn't even bother paying. Well, absolutely, uh, publishing I mean, that's why the singles. The, yeah, that's why the margins on trades are higher because they've already paid for the work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But no, but what I was saying, Chris, is I understand the frustration, but I think we also, to be fair, uh, Marvel and DC basically are the market in that regard and that they set you know they set the price they set the pace Mm -hmm. for good or for bad and so i think they're both very much i I don't think there's there's a i don't think they figured it out exactly yet either so so i can understand like with the runaways example i've heard that mentioned before that seems a little wonky to me to change format midstream in in a in a series but i i can't fault them for you know putting out premier hardcovers on miss marvel and then going straight to soft cover on Eternals because they themselves are probably doing that as much to test the market to sure. see if there's any correlation to which format sells better. Does it matter? Um, because I'm sure if it didn't matter, they'd put everything out hardcover because they could justify well, a higher price. I mean, you, you want to look at something that's really weird. You look at um, a book like, uh, I don't know, pick, pick any X-Men book that goes from single issues to a, a floppy trade paperback. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll say. Um, uh, actually, a good example is uh, X Men First Class, which it started coming out in the oversized premier hardcovers, the bigger, the bigger than original print hardcovers. Now they're only coming out in trade paperback. But then you look at something like Nova, which is not a necessarily big seller for them. The first 12 issues just came out under the Annihilation tag as a big-time, oversized, deluxe hardcover. And I'm just like, seriously? Well, I'm going to get it because I love Nova, but it just seems odd that something like that would come in in their oversized, deluxe hardcover treatment where you have, you know, pick pick another type, um, Daredevil. 
isn't coming mm-hmm. out in in deluxe hardcovers. It's just coming out in trade paperbacks. Seems very odd to me. And it's not coming out in sequence either. Right. Which is well, th- which is really weird too. Yeah, you're right about that. I think mm-hmm. you have to give Vertigo a lot of credit for they are very consistent, not yes. just by title, but across the entire line with their trade policy. And to an extent it's trained the market, which is why I think the monthly numbers on Vertigo titles are pretty abysmal these days. I mean, you know, fifteen thousand copies these days is a, a good selling Vertigo title, but it's because we're so conditioned by how they do it because they are so consistent. You know, the, there's a formula. They the first trade of every series is going to be cheap. You know, yep. and when we saw just again air, you know, air came out and I waited for the trade. Sure enough, this this last uh, previews there it was nine ninety nine. You know, for the first trade, so they they lure you in to try it out. There's almost no risk to try it out, especially if you're getting a discount. Um, it's it's in the same it's the same size. It's the same trade dress effectively, and then you know that every five or six months. You're going to get every Vertigo book that's going to come out in trade, and you're going to yeah. be able to. And, well, and, and, I, th- I, th- I think you're going to see probably in the next couple of years, and they're starting to do it now, is that Vertigo, with the exception of a couple choice titles, you're going to see Vertigo go as a OGN only. Oh, I hope imprint. so. That'd be awesome. Uh, it, it's it's get, well, they're doing that with the Crime line that right, I right. think we're going to start seeing this year, right? Mm-hmm. I, is yeah. it this year already? There hasn't been anything solicited. 2009, yet. he means. I think. Well, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I, that's what I mean. 2009, because um, I know that there's, you know, quite honestly, I know that there's some some stories out there that have been drawn and written and in the can for probably a year and a half on that that are just mm-hmm. waiting to be printed. So I mean, they're they're ready to go. Well, um, back to to what Wood was saying about. Uh, they're testing the market. I, I think it was it, it was you that was saying they're testing the market to see what's going to work. You know when they're when they're putting these these books out, you know to try to get a, a response. The the beauty of the Vertigo thing, not even so much the the clockwork like release, but just the fact that there's a very simple start here makes a lot of sense. I mean, when Mar in, in Marvel's trade program for the Fantastic Four, FF Volume One is Straczynski. <laughs> right, right. So when you go to yeah. do FF before that, to, to the neophyte reader, what should I pick up? Should I pick up this Fantastic Four's Visionaries? Should I pick up Essential? Because Essential sounds pretty important. Yeah. Or what about these <laughs> these volumes by Wade and this guy who I can't pronounce? We're Ringo, but I'm you know pretending to be the outsider. Right. Um there, there. I, I just feel like there needs to be some kind of clear delineation, and I don't know if there's any way to do that. Yeah, you know, well, it's, when you've got a book funny. that's got 400 issues, yeah, it's you can't keep the entire library in print. But by the it's same not token, just Marvel, though, it's not just Marvel because oh, no, no, not you know, at all. I was relatively new to DC a few years ago, and I remember going to Midtown Comics, looking just to buy some DC trades to you know try and get caught up in some of the series that I just jumped into, and. I went to look around and I, I, I came across the JSA section. And while it's great that all the JSA trades have the same trade dress and look great, I could not, for the life of me, figure out which trades were in which order, if they skipped it, you know, without going in and reading the little print that says, you know, this collects these issues. Right. It was impossible for me to discern that. And uh, it was the same thing with Titans. Um, I, I remember the Outsiders was the same thing. Justice League, uh, very you know very. What the diff- worst example is what? try and get up to snuff on Green Lantern. Oh no, yep, I got another. a better. I got a better one than that. Hellblazer. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because Never. they didn't start the trades until oh, how many God. issues Hel- in? Hellboy but they jump, too. Mess. Yeah, and they don't yeah. collect them all, and they're all over the place. Yeah, D- DC's trade dress has been, has been absolutely terrible. They're getting better. But um, but they're just they're just not there. But you know, Steve was kind of talking about it. It's you know, where do you start with Spider-Man? You know, if, if you're like, I really like the movie, and I'm gonna go to a bookstore. Where do I start with Spider-Man? You know, uh, Tim Seeley and I were talking about this, and and it was uh, you know we brought up a couple of movies, and and he had said that like after the X-Men movie, or or you know maybe it was even Dark Knight, that you didn't see at the bookstores a huge bump in Batman sales of of individual trades, but when Wanted came out, the Wanted trade at bookstores just they were you know selling like hotcakes because there was one book well or even and hellboy and sin city had bumps but again oh, yeah. it's easier sin to city find, start here but uh it's pretty like, impossible to 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 do a, a new reader accessible batman trade program well, here's my okay. Here's my question. Back in the shooter days at Marvel, the the <laughs> contention was always every issue is someone's first issue. Now this was in an era when comic shops were kind of there. Their, the direct market was kind of there, but it was still primarily a news uh, newsstand driven medium, and it was definitely uh, a periodical medium. It's you know the trades didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Have have we changed since then? Is every issue now still someone's first issue, or does that really matter because you can go back and get a trade? Obviously, with uh, you know, with your Vertigo books or you know your Hellboys or whatever, where you can go back to the beginning at any time, it doesn't really matter. If somebody test drives one issue and they like it, they can go get a trade. But, uh, but, but I mean, Dark is, Horse. Is, isn't that isn't that the rub though? Is that we want comics that are easily accessible to new time readers, or we want um, you know TV that is accessible to a first time viewer? But as as long time fans, as people that that love the characters and love the stories, we want something that is so incredibly immersive that we don't ha- want to have to be coached each time you know i want something that that is deeply immersive in a story in a a storytelling aspect that yeah it doesn't i want the training wheels to be completely off you know i want to have you know i sometimes i want to be up to my uh up to my ears in continuity just because it's a lot of fun you know i want for new readers though it's not i don't well you know what i'm not a new reader right you're not but that's what we want is is new readers. No, I no, think- but, no, what I want is the best reading experience that I can get. I'm an extremely selfish reader. I don't really care about I don't care about new readers. I want the best story that I can read, but I understand the need for the industry who right. obviously cares about me enough that they're raising their fucking prices to the point that I can hardly afford to buy the motherfuckers. Now, it, it, it's Daryl from the farm. I know, I'm a bitch right now. I'm a bitch complain. Why the fuck was Bishop made the enemy in my fire complex? Then a traitor. And then they make him kill people. Now, when Bishop was a traitor, he didn't kill anybody, so he can come back. But they make the brother crazy all of a sudden, 
I mean, it's the same guy that came there. He was a trainer of mutants. He, he, he ran a fucking mutant army to safeguard the, the humans from the mutants and the mutants from the humans, right? Now you just negate all that shit. This dude should be a badass. He's been fighting and training the mutants for years. He should be a badass. Not some punk-ass traitor. And now he's just crazy and he's just killing and he He's responsible for younger mutants getting killed. Why would he do some shit like that? It don't make sense. That's fucked up right, I'm sorry. It just don't make fucking sense to me about that. And Vixen, give Vixen some fucking love, all right? She did a lot. That's a good character right there. She's not just some animal whore. She's a good character. You just got to do right by it. I'm not failing that. Wait. Fuck it. All right, that's me again. I want to know what the fuck happened to Malie. Because that art is the book that he drew with Dark Rain with shit. Namor looked like a fucking crazy rhino. Emma looked like she's having orgasms at the table for no reason. I mean, it just did not make any sense to me. She didn't even look like Norman Osborn. What the fuck? Malie did some good art. What the fuck happened? For a three ninety nine comic, you don't put no art like that in there. You can't get that shit right. You give it to somebody else. That's just crazy. Damn. Well, I th- <laughs> I I think the big two can learn a lot from Mike Richardson at Dark Horse and his publishing sure. strategies. There's absolutely no question where to start with Hellboy. None. You can walk into the bookstore. You you, you look at the spine. It's got a one on it, and yeah, all the books look. Dude, dude, you can't do that with Batman. No, well, you may be. Well, let me let me. There's one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, so sorry. so you, there's a chunk of Hellboy books on the shelf, all the same size, numbered, no question. The Star Wars books are somewhat daunting because they've been publishing them for so long. There's so many different eras in Star Wars, different characters. There's a page in. The Dark Horse Star Wars books, the Omnibus have it, and uh, I'm not sure whether the trades have it, but I'm sure they do, where it, it lists the very, the separate timelines of Star Wars. You know, like Knights of the Old Republic, pre, pre Battle of Yavin, and it'll say these trades are included in this timeline. Then there's a, a current, well, current meaning Luke era Star Wars, and it's a, and it'll give you a list of books included in that era. That's what they can do for Batman. They could say, all right, if, you know, more elegantly than myself, obviously, but if you're looking for classic Batman, here's what we got for you. If you're looking for, um, you know, call it the modern age Batman, look for these books and contemporary Batman starts here and ends here. No, that's, that's brilliant because, I mean, you look at, at all the Kirkman trades, they have other great image books by Robert Kirkman. And the Hellboy things also have it. And they have it grouped by, you know, Hellboy, BPRD, or in Kirkman's case, you know, uh, Walking Dead and Invincible and all that stuff. And, yeah, I just think that's that's hugely important to be able to give new people a roadmap because it's different from when we would do back issue diving or, or whatever. It's harder and it's easier. It's easier because all this stuff is accessible, but it's only accessible if you know what you're looking for. 
and it's I hate to use the 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 term for dummies, but you need a character X for dummies page because like Shooter claimed, every book is is someone's first exposure to these characters. Every book must read like a first issue. Which I don't <laughs> think I don't think every uh, single issue should be that way, but I think every trade should be able to function as a gateway. You know, look at the fables trades. At the beginning, it does give you a great kind of family tree of who everybody is and what their relationship is. And that's a pretty good way to do things. Yeah, I mean, I hear all that, but I, I don't... I've heard this argument so many times, and I'm not sure I really buy it. I mean, I, I still think at the end of the day, we we sometimes are guilty of trying to find explanations from things that are just as a result of, of the other factors. In other words... The idea, to back to Vince's original question, is it's still an era where every comic is someone's first. Absolutely, of course. I mean, it, 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 if unless we're under the premise that there are no more new comic readers, which is abs- an absurd premise, uh, then of course at some point someone's going to either pick up a, a first comic or a first trade and read it. Um, but the issue is that again, the industry has become so such a niche industry, and, and the direct market especially is so inaccessible to new readers that I think it's much less common for someone to just stumble upon a series in a mid mid arc because you know it used to be it for most of us, and I don't know exactly how you guys got to reading comics, but I know for most of us of our age, you know, in our thirties and forties. Mm-hmm. We basically almost, you know, accidentally stumbled upon comics. They just existed. We knew of them, and we were at a pharmacy or a grocery store or some store with our parents, and we There's saw the catch, yeah. right? And we well, said, you know, we said, yeah, can, yeah, I, but, can I have that issue? And and I know I, the first few comics I read. I mean, they were in the middle of quote unquote arcs. I had no idea who these characters were, and that was the excitement of yeah. you know going right. back. That, that's but, why I became. But a there's there's that's why I right. brought back issues because I'm, there's I, the catch though. Where were you when you bought those? No, oh, right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. But my point but it's is, so that's a, it's a different era. I, but I, but that doesn't. My, so I'm agreeing with you. It's a different era. So far less people, particularly young people, are just stumbling upon comics. That's a problem what, in and of itself, though. But I what think I th- that what I think what I think that, is really funny is that I think we as fans are much more concerned about new readers coming into the industry than the actual comic book companies because we don't want our favorite books to go away. Okay, oh, I, I sure, and we don't want to have to keep paying higher prices to support the fact that we're a, a no, no. I mean, we, we 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 want more people to join the army. We want people to do what we do. That's the only. No, thing. not I think really. It, yeah, well, yeah. But, it, what, it's very well, analogous to my, my father and I are you know very different human beings. I mean, I love him dearly, but my father is a is a, you know he was a cop. Um, he he's an out you know he, he's he lives to hunt and and fly fish. He's an outdoorsman. When I was a kid, he used to talk to me about, you know, he would take me fishing and talk to me about the importance of, 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 of exposing me to hunting and fishing. And he used to talk to me about how, you know, duck hunting, for example, was a dying thing that he, he was so passionate about it, but because of, you know, urban development and the costs and, and the like, and a lot of uh, social factors that duck hunting was becoming less and less popular. 
and he wanted selfishly to expose me and 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 any you know younger people to to the sport of it so that we would be incented to keep it going and i remember those conversations and and i really never got into hunting to be honest and and i know my you know my dad wished i had and i feel the same way about comics right i mean to your point chris absolutely selfishly I want them to tell stories that I care about. And and, in many cases, that means deep continuity that makes sense and doesn't have a lot of holes. On the other hand, though, I don't – I personally, for the same selfish reasons, do not want to be in an era where I have to read 90% of my comics on a computer screen. I want to be able to have comics in my hands and read them that don't cost me $20. Uh, an issue, you know. So, so for that reason, I think logically we say to ourselves, the only way that's going to happen is for there to be new readers in some vein, some new source of revenue and profits for these guys to keep you, giving you know, us. You know, you know how much yeah. money? You know how much money Marvel and DC are going to charge for their comics? As much as they can get. As much as they can. Well, that was my point of, of the, yeah. the post yeah. the threads today, right? Which is that. Uh, as a as a capitalist, they're doing a logical thing. They think that three ninety nine will not hurt demand. And my I, point is, I say I think they're ultimately going to be proven right, which mm-hmm. saddens me because a lot of us are going to bitch about it. But when push comes to shove, even if it's after a few months, most of us are going to justify paying the price because we're not going to want to miss fucking Dark Avengers. Hey, <laughs> that, mean, that, then, that 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 turd of a comic, Secret Invasion, sold one hundred and forty thousand, or not sold, was ordered. To the to the to the number of what 140 150 thousand copies. So you know what? They're right. You know they they could have charged fucking six ninety nine for that motherfucker, and it would still be the number one selling comic. So who's the fool? Well, um, that, well I I don't know about that. You have to look at the comics below it in the list. Like say the that if that was number one, you have to look at comics two to ten to get an accurate portrait of what's selling. Just because that sold 140,000 copies, maybe the next Marvel book in that list only sold 90. That's a big span. Yeah. You know, what, what I you, do like you is know, that the, 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 the bottom 100 seemed to be coming up a little right. bit, which is, is, we, a good, is a good sign. That could be an indication of, of people moving away from the 399 price point, like Steve is hoping, towards independent books, which would be awesome. Hey, 11 o'clock comics. This is Pat Loika. I just wanted to call in and uh, wish you guys a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, if you celebrate anyway. I just wanted to tell you guys also that I'm, I've been enjoying the show. Yes, sometimes people do piss me off when I'm listening to the show, but it's okay. I love you guys anyway. And uh, also, I just wanted to tell you guys how much comics are awesome right now. I really, really love comic books. All of them. doesn't matter if they're from DC, Marvel, Fantagraphics, Oni, Top Shelf, whatever. Comics are great. They're something for everyone. And I hope, you know, I hope everyone spends the time enjoying what they're enjoying. And, you know, shut up about the ones you don't like. Because no one's forcing you to read the ones you don't like. So, that's really all I have to say. Then keep reading your comic books. Enjoy them. Love them. Because those comics are very, very amazing medium. Uh, there's so much skill, so much work involved. Every, every single person that does a comic book does it because they love it. And you got to respect that, and you got to appreciate that, too. So, again, thanks again for uh, 
putting together a great show. I enjoy listening to you guys a lot. Uh, you guys are all my pals. So I'll see you guys, well, in the new year, hopefully during con season. Take care. What are y'all? What are y'all charging for the um, for the Athena Voltaire uh, black coat crossover? We actually talked about that a lot to, uh, before you got on because I was saying to Steve they're charging two bucks, and I asked him, you know, that's obviously Sweet. a very aggressive price point, um, and what what the reason behind that was and what the expectations were. So we actually probably talked for what about say about half hour on that topic. When's, that, when's, so. the, when, um, when's that come out, Steve? Well, before I answer that, can I address something uh, that Wood said about twelve to fifteen minutes ago? Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I've been trying to jump in. Sure. Um, but, I'll uh, shut up now. No, no. Uh, everybody's <laughs> had great points, but we've gotten so far away from what I wanted to comment on. Would you had mentioned um, that you know people jumping in in the middle of an arc, we're, we're always worried about them catching up, and we had all jumped in. And that, that's a great point, but the, the industry has changed because if, if you jump in on Batman number 448, you know to find out more information. There's 447, 446, 445, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. More and more stores are carrying, they're, they're ordering to sell out. They're not, uh, right. back issues are not much of their market. So that's where the importance of being able to navigate your way through a trade paperback collection really does pay off. Because that that's how how you get people to fall in love with the characters. Because back issues are are less and less of of an issue for everybody now. So sure, sure. anyway, I just I, I wanted to uh, to well, address that. I, I felt no, bad I, because I. Yeah. No, I'm saying that that's a great point. I I, I think it's a well made point. Um, what what was your question though, Chris, about the the AV book? Oh I, yeah, I feel yeah, bad. When, when, when's it coming out? Uh, we want to have it in time for New York Comic Con. So, so uh, beginning Super of February, Bowl, Su- Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, is New York Comic Con Super Bowl weekend? <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday, yes, it is. Oh, well, Wait, like, is? like my team's going to be in there. Wait, it yes. is? Yeah, it's on yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize that. I'll Snap. console you, buddy. I, I ain't, I ain't going to New York. <laughs> I'll be there. Are you kidding me? I'm gonna be, a, I'm gonna be at home watching the Bears win the Super Bowl. Well, I guess I'll well, go Friday, be- Saturday, and uh, Chris lives in an alternate <laughs> reality. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, Chris had mentioned, uh, there was a lot of press out in the October comics numbers about how the bottom 100 seemed to be picking up. Unfortunately, that was a one-month phenomenon because um, the numbers fell right back off the cliff uh, in, in November. Um, so I don't know why that, that October number was what it was, but, but the, the we're back to – because I think the lowest-selling book in the, th- in the top 300 in October was right around 4,000 copies, but uh, – but I'm looking here in the November numbers. Number 300 was Wasteland number 22, uh, which is an absolute travesty, by the way, <laughs> that, that that's the 300th most, most popular selling book. Uh, 2,200 copies. Uh, so. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know so. what? I, I, I talked to Chris Minton this last weekend. He said the book is doing well in trades and it's very healthy. He is uh, committed to doing it, and Great. so is Anthony. So, yeah, don't look for Wasteland to be to be going away, and also look for Chris Mitten to be a guest on AC next month. Okay, awesome. <laughs> very smooth. <laughs> well, I had something to say, and now I can't remember what I was going to say. I guess it was a lie. What's up, Vince, David, Chris, and Wood? This is Chris Eaton, also known as the Big Largeness One co-host of the Geekland podcast out of Memphis. Just calling in to wish you guys a uh, you know, Merry Christmas, 
happy Kwanzaa, um, happy Hanukkah, or just, you know, a good day, depending on what you celebrate. And that goes out to everybody also that's listening to this. I've got to say, it's been it's been great having you guys back in the podcast, uh, podcasting arena, like I've said before. Um, Vince, in particular, has, has went out of his way this year, it seems, to very divisively and slowly drain my bank account by introducing me to new books. Um, the G.I. Joe book that he talked about on uh, a previous episode of 11 o'clock, I went out and picked up the dollar issue and put all of those on my pull list as a result. Um, all Hail Megatron, same way. And I believe back in the days of, of Bullpen, he's the one that introduced me to Planet Hulk. Uh, uh, yeah, Planet Hulk, that was the good one, right? Not World War Hulk. So, uh, so yeah. So thanks, thanks for that. Vince, also got to give a shout-out to uh, who I call St. Dan, a.k.a. Uh, Paper Cut, for doing his weekly uh, or his uh, yearly holiday giveaway. Um, I picked up Dr. Strange the Oath from him to give to my dad, who's just recently got back into comics. He really dug it, so thanks to Dan for that. And to everyone in the 11 o'clock forum family, Happy holidays from the big largeness. See y'all later. Bye. So, so I mentioned. What did you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. So I, I read as I mentioned while I was in Disney two weeks ago. I read top ten, uh, mm. both both trade paperbacks, the entire series, and effing loved every goddamn second of that book. <laughs> I don't know where I was when that came out. In fact, I still don't even know what, what years that came out. What I, I didn't even. Uh, so if you guys doesn't know, matter. Doesn't 98, matter. Ninety eight, ninety nine. Oh my I was just god! Say I mean, ninety eight. You know, it's weird. I I I think it was Tom actually on AC. He I think he Tom, brought it up. Tom loves yeah. that book. Loves yeah, he that brought book. up the new the new season season two, uh, which I think you know just started coming out and it's it's uh, it's Han Cannon without Alan Moore, um, mm-hmm. and hearing him talk about how much he liked the first series. I had actually forgotten that I bought both trades of the original series um, at a wild pig sale a year ago, and just it was sitting in a stack of trades, and I just hadn't gotten around to it. And so I pulled them out, brought them on vacation, figured, you know, why not? Um, and it was just one of those books that, uh, it, it, number one, timeless, and number two, every facet of that book is exemplary, uh, from the storytelling to the dialogue it's a pretty magical in- book, isn't it? I Absolutely. Mean, it's, it, yeah, it's just... The in-jokes. It's good. The, Very appropriate <laughs> choice of words there, Chris. The visuals. Um, I mean, Ha, you know, I, I have not seen much of Ha. I, mean, I know his name, but I have not seen a lot of his work. And my understanding is his, his style now actually is quite different than it was then, so I don't even know if it's germane to how he, how he illustrates now. But, um, you know, they say uh, they say that one of the, the, the most... Um, you know, important things to the way that humans perceive beauty is symmetry, right? That that if you take a person's face and you and you were to, it's perfectly symmetrical faces are, are consistently both male and female voted as being more attractive. Um, I think a lot of comics illustrators, particularly for superhero books, have that in mind. They draw very symmetrical people, and you know, superheroes are supposed. Uh, one of the things, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, because again, I don't know much about the motivations behind this book. But I was so struck by Ha's way of illustrating, and that these characters were not attractive characters. And I think part of that is they were not symmetrical. They they were flawed, relatively average-looking 
human beings that happen to have either superpowers or robotic parts or something. But it really, at least for me, helped bring me into that world and view them as more than just characters on the page. So again, I don't know, know if I'm seeing more there than, than was intended, but but it, it, to me, it was such a perfect way to to draw those characters. And you should uh, have put Shannon Doherty in it. it you're she so is, right, right? She, she is not her, symmetrical. Uh, right, she got that toxic right. Avenger eye on, <laughs> yeah, on the one side, right. lazy eye. But uh, but that book, I mean, it's just every every issue was was entertaining itself. It's you know, I read it in trade, but you could see that every issue had a. Um, you know, had a climax and had a left. You, had a, had a. a, a, a uh, I'm, I'm missing the word. Uh, what's you know? What's the uh, uh, what's the term for? Uh, I'm, it's escaping me for uh, for for when you know there's something they leave you with a cliffhanger. Thank you, a cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna let you hang there, dude. Yeah, seriously. Thanks <laughs> a lot. Guys. Um, just I just you know. fantastic, and it was great to see Marvel and DC and independent characters. You know, little Easter eggs all over the place. Um, you know every word. I mean every every street sign, every billboard, uh, you know every poster, everything on their desks, all were little in jokes. I mean no no word or panel was wasted. Um, it was just fantastic from from start to finish. I, I I got done reading it and and just can't wait to go out and pick up season two. I, I can't imagine I'm not going to enjoy that. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean I assume you guys have all read it. What did you What did you all think of it? I I'm enjoyed actually, it. I'm, I'm I'm only about halfway through the first volume. Okay. Wow. I'm still. I, I'm still, I love. I love what I've read, but it's one of those that, like, kind of like Wood said, it's one where you have to sit down and absolutely um, uh, become immersed in it. It's. It's not something to sit down. You know, a trade. I can usually read a trade in two hours or so. Uh, top ten. That's. That's an afternoon. That's a Sunday afternoon. Oh, absolutely. With, yeah. with no. With no football on. I mean, that's. That mm-hmm. is studying each panel and having wikipedia beside you on the on the computer and you know a nice cup of tea and and just enjoying it that that's not a book that you just fly through so yeah i'm about halfway through the first the first volume and i'm i read honestly a few pages at a time on it it's like almost like information overload there's so many cues that you have to be uh, aware of and i enjoyed it because it's alan moore mm-hmm. but Oddly enough, I was more struck with the art. And Gene Ha is is very much a classicist in the way he draws. There, there, there's very little expressionism in in his approach to the page. But I thought the the art was fantastic. And I usually shy away from the classicists, the the more realistic renderers. And uh, yeah, it works for me. You know, Gene's Gene's one of those guys that has an extremely clean style in the right. in the first top ten, but it's not like a a Jim Lee clean style. It, it's um you know where where I think Jim Lee is maybe the best draftsman in comics today as far as like technical precision, but I still don't feel like there's a ton of soul in his work. Um, and that's that's not a slam. I mean, we've talked about it before. I, I think that technically he is an amazing artist, but I, I don't feel a whole lot of soul. Where Gene, I, I feel like his work is very technically um, adept, but there's still there's um, there's something of him that gets poured into it. There there's soul in 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 Gene's work. Maybe even more in Top Ten Volume Two, which I've I flipped through than Top Ten Volume One. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
So now you got me thinking about technically proficient artists with soul. Jerry with Ordway? Soul, um, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Yeah, Art Adams. Yes. Even though his characters can be a little on the cartoony side, everything else is is rendered so impeccably. But yeah. There's a there's a a, a life to them. And, yeah, and Steve I mean, Bryant. Steve Bryant's a very Bryant technically uh, proficient. <laughs> I yeah, wouldn't Steve, go that far. Well, Steve, who would who would you describe as an incredible draftsman whose work still has soul? Well, first of all, thanks for taking me off the hook on top ten. I read them all as as individual. <laughs> no, I read them all as individual issues when the whole ABC line was coming out. And as much as I loved that, at one point I got so sucked into Promethea that I lost track of everything in top ten and Tom Strong. And I need to go get the trades yeah. and reread them. Because mm-hmm. Promethea to me was just mind blowing, but yeah, well, you're lucky because there's only two top ten trades, so they're easy, easy to catch up on. Yeah, I I should probably organize my comics because I've got all the floppies here somewhere. Um, I'm sorry, single issues. If David's listening, when he comes back <laughs> to the podcast. Technically proficient, I I'll agree with Vince about Jerry Ordway. I don't know that you've got you know anybody that really has everything working for him the way that he does. Uh, Steve Rude, but we don't see a whole lot of him. Mm-hmm. Gosh. I think Art Adams w- was a really good call. Um, I'm trying to th- I, I'm like drawing a blank now. Of course, I've raved about Epting, so I put him in there. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, very good choice. You know, the way the way that he spots blacks, I think, is, is you know, really soulful and moody. Um, Sean Phillips. Oh yeah. Okay. I'd say he's technically proficient and I'd say that there's a lot of, of soul in his stuff, but it's it's still very very representational, very realistic. Uh Michael Lark. Mm-hmm. Gosh. I, I'm I'm forgetting some and I'm I'm How about everyone's favorite uh talking talking point this week, uh, Alex Malev. Oh jeez. Um, I haven't seen enough of his work to really be able to, to judge him. Oh you didn't you didn't read the the Bendis Malev um uh, Daredevil run the whatever sixty issues they did. I've got a couple of, of the trades and they were really good. I um, some of them are out of print now and yeah. they've got the omnibus and I can't afford the omnibus. So Dude, it was, if I it find was the like, trades cheap, I'll get them. It was like he and Mike Lark and and Gatos, all those guys were kind of of the same school. Um, you know, there, there's kind of a, a new school of artists that. Um, that I'm really enjoying right now that, uh, it's kind of like the now group. It's like, it seems like the Maliv and Lark guys were kind of of the five years ago, you know, it's, Oh, that's so, that's so 2003. (laughs) Um, but, um, some folks that, that really have a ton of kinetic energy, almost like Kirby esque kinetic energy in their art right now. And that's guys like Jerome Pena and Eric Kennedy, and I'll throw, you know, Scotty Young in there, that that these guys that just love to throw shit at the camera and just have these, you know, ultra hyper expressive and and action filled panels. And that's that's something that I'm really excited to see in comics right now is that we have some really energy charged artist out there again and uh, you know and and Vince may may be able to comment on this but it really is almost Kirby-esque in how these guys are drawn yeah yeah I call them neo-expressionists 
because okay. you you got guys playing not only with the form but with the line too. Mm-hmm. And and by form I mean the the f- uh, form of the figure. You got guys like Bacallo and Scotty Young mm-hmm. and um Umberto Ramos that the 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 style is really inseparable from the artist. Mm-hmm. Whereas you you look like a you look at a Scotty Young and you, you see how how much personality is in Riley that Brown's work. Another, another those guys, who's that? Yeah, Riley Riley Brown. And I you know I would even stick for how rigid her line tends to get Amanda Connor in that group Be, because okay. uh, she's a little more. I mean, she she's cartoony, but more in a yeah. I mean, I, I, she's not as expressive. I don't think. I, I mean, but yeah. Maybe um, I don't know. I I see the 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 playfulness in her work. Yeah, translates yeah, that's true. She's like Ramos, to, to, only subdued, mm-hmm. right? Where, well, whereas the like, other like three she, guys I mentioned, she, yeah, she doesn't want to take as big of a chance, right? Uh, Hotter well, chance, yeah, hot right. But yeah. but these guys are putting are putting this kinetic energy and this it's it's almost a desire this this. Air of exploration to the work where they're, it's, they're, it's they're, like, they're it's poking like the, and prodding. The, the the page isn't big enough to contain what they want to do, you know. And right. that's well, look at Wizard. I, I love that feeling. Yeah, look at the first issue of Wizard of Oz. Good God! Then he, I he mean, just just knocked that out of the park. Yeah, he was made for it's, that. It's it's yeah, it's astounding. And I, I was looking at his his issues of New X Men. He's a chameleon. He can almost transform in relation to the work he's 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 doing whereas he had a, a kind of cartoony style on um new x-men but there's almost the, the, he has that same cartoony in quotes because it's not uh, i'm not trying to relate it to cartoons but this uh, a very animated style on wizard of oz but it's almost like a style and if this makes any sense that's questioning itself it's 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 exploring at the same time that it's it's what 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 did you what what term did you use uh, a few minutes ago to describe that style of art? I call it neo-expressionism. Okay, we're going to um, we're going to stop calling things cartoony and okay. we're going to start calling things neo-expressionistic. <laughs> yeah, as if we weren't pretentious enough. Because, <laughs> because, because <laughs> we, you mean you? Well, because because, because Sorry. The, the the term cartoony needs to be wiped out of comicdom because it is a derogatory term in in the view of a lot of people. It's like, oh, that's too cartoony. And I think the highest compliment that you can pay a comic book artist is to call them a cartoonist. Yep. And and, mm-hmm. and I think that the the term cartoony is a really ridiculous and and derogatory term. It's almost and, and I'm bordering on that with indie. I I hate the term indie anymore. It's 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 something that I think uh, almost ends up. You know, um, Steve, are you still there? Have, have yes. we run you off? Um, <laughs> do you feel any sort of, um, you know, do do the the hairs on the back of your neck kind of curl up whenever you have to say that you're an indie comic artist or you you work on an indie book? Not really, but it's funny to me to listen to people um, to other to what some people categorize as indie or to what some people don't categorize as indie. Cause I mean, I have, I have my very stringent rules and of course I know that I'm right 
And uh, <laughs> when, I, when I hear, you know, the rest of you people using the wrong term, it drives me crazy. Sure. Well, right, like you're of the I kid, I kid. You don't think <laughs> Image or Dark Horse or things like that would be considered indie, right? Like that's not... I think Image is absolutely indie because okay. there's well, no page agree. rate. Thought, so where do you draw the... So what isn't indie then that some would say is? Um, in terms of like creator-owned material... If you're not doing getting it uh, a page rate, you're completely independent. Mm-hmm. So, Criminal to me is an indie book. Yes, it's published through Marvel, but all of their money comes through on the back end. Sure. So that means that you know Sean Phillips is drawing you know three issues of the book before he sees Dime One. That's pretty fucking independent. Power so, the same, I right? mean, would you say the same of Powers? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I don't know, because when Criminal was launched... Wait, does that come Bru- out anymore? <laughs> <laughs> but when when Criminal was launched, Brubaker said the Icon line is set up in a variety of ways. That, you know, you can, you can take the benefits in an a la carte fashion. And he said they chose to do Criminal like an, ima- like an image book, and that they were getting all their pay on the back end. So that one I can I can say with a hundred percent you know certainty is an image book I mean is an indie book because he said right up front they're doing it like like image and there's no no payment so but you know as to the the deal with powers uh, to my knowledge I haven't you know seen Bendis come out in uh, in an interview and say what the arrangement is but you know I I, I would say if if some creator is doing a book and isn't getting any money. That's pretty independent. Hey, 11 o'clock comics. It's Tom Morris calling in. Uh, I listen to the show, though. I listen to it in various segments because I want to think about some of the discussions that's brought up. Obviously, with the, the more recent issues that's come out since RP, it's getting a little more confusing what's going on with the fate of Batman. But a couple of thoughts I had. One... If most RP was going on just in Bruce's head, then he's battling essentially his own trauma, um, you know, the death of his parents, which caused him to become the caused him to become Batman. Now that if Damien really is his son, and I guess that seems to be established, and it is his son, the question is: is you know, really, should Bruce no longer be essentially Batman? Should he be a father? You know, the father that he didn't have. Alfred was basically the closest thing he had to a father after the death of his father, but here he's now faced with the situation, what if his father was alive? Or what you know, would he become Batman? Well, he you know, maybe he can uh, be a father to Damien in the way that he didn't doesn't have to be Batman. Maybe it's time for him to walk away. And I think that's really what the struggle is. If he doesn't die in Final Crisis, which I'm a guess I'm assuming is probably still gonna happen, but Another interesting factor that has yet to be brought up, will DC ever bring in Terry McInnes? Yes, it's Batman Beyond, but Paul Dini's also working on Detective. He's been established to exist in different, you know, continuities and countdown as well, which is also written by Dini. So, in my opinion, I think it's time that they start exploring the uh, idea of Terry McInnes being introduced into the Batman universe. Maybe not him, in maybe not bringing the Batman Beyond future already, but introduce the character perhaps in this case instead of him, you know, being way in the future, have him to be introduced as the new Robin. Let Damien kind of be on the side. But once again, uh, like 
like I said, I guess we'll just see how it goes. But I'm curious what everyone thought of the idea of Terry McGinnis being introduced and the idea of Bruce voluntarily giving up the cow to be a father and not dying or some other reason. All right, see you all in the forum. What is, what is, what is, from what is totally Michael Main doing these days? Darkness. Mice Templar. Uh, he's doing Hammer of the Gods 2 with Mark Week, Mark Wheatley over at uh, Comic Mix. Okay. Is he, he just did a one-shot uh, of the darkness, too. Is he writing or drawing? Guys, Mike, Mike Omi's doing Mice Templar right now, and he's got a, a movie deal in the works. Oh, okay. Right, but is Mice Templar, is that monthly coming out? It's, it, not, it was. Not it's really. not monthly. I don't know if it was intended to be okay. monthly, but it's not coming out every month. No. Okay. I was. I was just. I was curious. That's. I. I knew that was his last kind of art project, and it was uh, uh, Cross Bronx before that. And there's been some powers issues mixed in here and there. I just. I didn't know what he was doing on a regular basis these days. So. Well, I was, could be wrong, but I. I think on the last Bendis tapes and Word Balloon, mm-hmm. Bendis said that because Oming had Templar and some other things going, that the reason they, they'd agreed that the, they didn't want to solicit any... They didn't want to keep doing with Powers what they had been doing, which was, you know, a month here, two months off. So, mm-hmm. basically, when Mike has got a full arc of stories, which I think he said it was six or eight issues, um, they would solicit it again and put it out every month until the... So, basically, they're waiting for Mike to have an entire uh, trade's worth of stuff in the can, and then they're going to re- start resoliciting it again. So. so, I think he's working on it. He's been working on that a lot. And, and I guess soon enough he'll they'll be putting that out. But cool. Don't hold well, your just, breath. <laughs> just getting back to the definition of independent again. See, I approach it from a totally different angle. I go to the the origins of the word independent. Independent from what? Ma- the mainstream. So I consider everything that's not published by Marvel and DC as yeah. independent, which yeah, means. Criminal, to me, is is not an independent book. I don't look at the business side of it where, yeah, they don't get a, uh, they don't work within the same mechanism as other artists working for Marvel on like Amazing Spider-Man or something. But Mm -hmm. because it comes out from Marvel, I, I, I really can't consider it an independent title. Because it's not independent from Marvel. I consider anything that's not Marvel or DC to be alternative because it's an alternative to DC. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> getting, getting sticky now. But no, I. But you know, I. I think your definition is valid. Like I said, mine is you know completely built around you know probably bitterness that develops when you're sitting at a drawing board at two in the morning. <laughs> Why the fuck do I only have two thousand pre-orders or you know something like All that? Right. You know, Steve, um, it's interesting. Uh, Dave Hedgecock was on uh, CGS recently, and I thought he said a few very interesting things that. You know, I don't. I don't know apes. You know, I don't know how big they are in aggregate. I mean, obviously, they're they're certainly a, by a, a fair to say they're a small press publisher. Um, but I thought it was interesting some of his candor. I mean, he two things he said that really struck me. One, a lot of people uh, will throw out the idea that oh, if, if if you know Marvel and DC should go back to using newsprint and lower the prices, and uh, and one of the hosts of CGS said that, and Hedgecock stopped him in their tracks and said that would do no good. That. Uh, that that newsprint is is almost the same cost as the paper that they use for them, and that it would have sure. no discernible change in the cost. 
So you might as well take the good paper and run with it, which which I, I found fascinating because a lot of people have been arguing that newsprint for a long time. And it seems like at least according – you know, Dave would know. He's a publisher of a small press. You know, he, he, he dispels that newsprint would matter at all. Dude, um, I, I'm an art director and I'll tell you right now that – that yeah, the whole paper quant or paper quality thing is mm-hmm. bullshit because it's it's like everything else. It's based on volume, and if if ninety percent of the paper that's being made out there mm-hmm. is like high calendared, glossy, low weight, but still you know um, still shiny stock, which is what uh-huh. they're they're printing comics on if 90 percent of the paper out there is being produced to that then it's going to be uh less expensive than what quite frankly special order newsprint paper mm-hmm. would be these days well, like the uh, and, i just picked up i just picked up one of the the kirby omnibuses right that's what i was gonna ask that's not even yeah. newsprint though well it's not it no it's not newsprint <laughs> it is it is it is a heavier tooth paper right that is there to kind of replicate old newsprint okay. but that's but, really that's really nice fucking paper right when well, people say we should go back to newsprint when people say we should go back to newsprint i i'm like no <laughs> look at the actual newsprint books Right, yeah, right. New, newsprint's yeah. terrible. But whenever you look at an uncoated, heavier tooth stock, I mean, that's that's actually some really, really beautiful paper. What 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 you want to look at? Okay, and now we're getting geeky. If you're going to look at um, the expense of paper, look at the the whiteness value. It's what we call a number one or a number two sheet in printing, mm-hmm. and it's the amount or lack of yellow in the paper if it has a very um white or almost like blue tint to the paper then it's fairly expensive it's the more yellow the paper gets the lower quality it is and most comics today are printed on probably a number two um sheet so i mean it's it's good paper it's not great paper um i'd say it's probably what a, a a 60 what would you say vince probably a 60 pound text um marvel and dc mm-hmm. the oh i i would even hazard to guess it's a 40 pound that's really okay thin paper. okay okay uh well we'll split the difference say probably a, okay a 50, a 50 a 50 pound a 50 pound number two sheet is probably i'm what, pretty sure right. the eight books are are, are 60 pound okay right. With the IDW books probably being more along the lines of an uh, 80-pound number one. Their paper's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I guess what I was going to say, though, is that that does, I think, debunk somewhat of a common myth out there. Um, um, But but then I guess my question is, so like with a Vertigo trade, which certainly is not, at least to my eyes, it doesn't seem like as, quote-unquote, high-quality paper. Is it? It's just, I mean, is it a high-quality paper that's just, I mean, no. No, it's a, so, mid, it's, a, it's, it's a mid-grade. It's a mid-grade so, paper. But so if it, nice if it doesn't save them any money, then why why use it, though, I guess is my question. Because that I mean, paper takes up more space, and you get a bigger spine, and you get a bigger perception of bang for your buck. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, and, the, and honestly, uh, they're probably buying in bulk, where it's the, the paper buyer for that division – at DC or Vertigo is talking to their printer and saying, hey, we have X number of trades that are going to be printed this year, and we want to print them on this grade of paper. 
um, you know, or we have this number of books that we're going to print this year, go ahead and send me some paper samples and quotes on quantities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then they'll look at those paper stocks and say, okay, we're going to run with this one because it's going to cost us X and it looks pretty good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you know, so they're going to go with something that's going to get the job done and it's going to going to save them some cash. So, yeah, paper stock comes into it. It's yeah. I, I do it with my job, man. It's it's like, hey, I need this catalog to look good. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I could print I could print a catalog on 100 percent rag paper. That is what they print like U.S. currency on. But. I'm not going to pay that because it's extremely fucking expensive paper. There's no reason to do that. I'm going to find a paper that's going to do what I need it to do. And and I'm going to buy it in bulk because I'm going to print X number of catalogs. And the comic companies, I'm sure, do the same thing. So it, it gets overblown how much your paper cost really comes back to what you pay for a an issue of a comic what has more to do with it is creator cost. And, um, I mean, you know, Hey, I'm, we want the creators to be taken care of. I don't, I don't want the hero initiative to be a necessary charity in, in 20 years. So I want, I want creators to be well taken care of, but you know what? We're going to have to pay for it in the product that we buy. Hey, 11 o'clock comics. This is Carlos Cordova calling just to weigh in my opinion on um on Batman R.I.P. Yes, that Batman R.I.P. Um, I know you guys are done with it, but I didn't get in, so I'm just going to leave my, my comments on the topic. Um, I know there's still one issue left of Last Rites, and we won't know how everything ties up and comes together until that issue of Last Rites is out, because then we'll find out how it ties into Final Crisis and everything, what exactly happened to Bruce, and, you know, all that stuff like that. But... I, you know, I am the huge, I am like a huge, huge Grant Morrison fan, and I'm not a Grant Morrison apologist, I'm not, I don't make excuses and just try and say you don't get his work and stuff like that, that's not how I think, I just, I go in, if I enjoy it, I enjoy it, if that's, if I don't, I don't, you know, there's some of the stuff that I just kind of don't like, there's some stuff I do like, said Final Crisis, really, I read issue number five, and while I liked it, I still, I it left even me confused. And like Vince, I could wrap my head around a lot of stuff. And, you know, and maybe you don't have to be a deep thinker to recall. Maybe it should just be, maybe you don't want to have to work, you know, that work for your read and stuff like that. It's all, all good. It's whatever you, whatever makes you happiest when you're reading your book, you know. But I'm not, I'm not going to come on and say if you didn't like R.I.P., you wasted your money and you shouldn't have bought it and how dare Grant Morrison ruin it. I'm not going to say... You know, I'm not going to come out and say that you're wrong for thinking that. I'm not going to come out and say that if you liked it, oh, welcome to the select few. You know what I mean? It's not going to be any crap like that. I like the story. I liked it. If you didn't, you didn't. That's the way it goes. I said, you know, but I did like R.I.P. I mean, it sucks reading a story like that month to month because there's a lot that gets left out, but that's the way monthly comics go, and serial comics will always be here. So um, I liked R.I.P. That's my point. You know, and I'm I, I I you know if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I wish I wish you had, but you didn't. So you know, but that's that's how you feel, and I can't. I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you say you're wrong. I'm not going to tell you you don't get it. Nothing of the sort. If I understand, said some people just don't like stuff, and some people do. No matter how much you try, sometimes you can't like something. Trust me, I know that one. So 
so, but yeah. So in my my own personal opinion, I liked R.I.P. I understood it. I understood it and I liked it. So that's my stance on it. Guys, thank you for this. Have a great week. <laughs> great show. Thanks. Bye. There's something that the publishers and the fans are both reluctant to talk about. And I agree with Chris. The, the quality of the paper doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on the, the, the production costs of the book, but the format does. If you took a standard size comic and instead of lengthwise fold it in half, you could double the amount of pages for the same cost. But that would be a format that would probably not be accepted very easily by the fans. It works in Japan. It hasn't stopped them from buying comics. But, but here, if you only tried the digest format where you can get two issues for the same production price as one, why not? Is, you know, are we that jaded and, and, uh, spoiled by the fact that we have this size page now that we can't go to a smaller size in order to, you know, keep these books alive? Well, I think that comes back to what we were talking about earlier in, in, in the formats, in the, in the different varieties of them. I have no problem with that of, you know, a smaller size, lower cost version, but then come out with a deluxe, oversized, beautiful hardcover right. afterwards for those who who love whatever series. But well, if you once again, if you look at it now, the they're getting more on a per page basis on the front end with the singles than they are with the trades and hardcovers. You know who's kicking ass with uh, a smaller format is Dark Horse. Um, mm-hmm. You look at the Indiana Jones omnibuses, Omnibuy, they're in that six Buffy. by nine. Yep. Yeah, that six by nine, which by the way is is the size that Bone was, but you know I've got a whole a whole section here with the Indiana Jones ones, the Zombie World trade that uh, that Mignola did. Boy, I, I talk about him a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, that four- Star Wars omnibus. Your muse. Yeah, um, he's he's the template for most indie creators, but. Uh, you know, I think that's a good format, and I, I would like to see more books coming out in that. Uh, that's the the size of, of the uh, the Dylan Dog book that's coming out. I was going to say, by the Dylan Dog, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, you know, while while you're on the subject of smaller size books, I got a, a bone to pick with Image. Oh. Yes. Real. And us, usually Image gets a pass with me for everything say. they they do, but I pre-ordered. And now, oddly enough, since Steve was talking about Mignola, I'm going to talk about the flip side, which is Ted McKeever. Why don't you ask Ted McKeever about Mignola one of these days if you ever run into him? But uh, that's neither here nor there. They solicited the Ted McKeever Library, hardcover reproductions of all of Ted McKeever's books. Now, I thought, okay, I'll be glad to pay twenty four ninety nine for a hardcover reprinting uh, Ted McKeever's Transit, with the last issue of which was never finished. And he finished it especially for this hardcover. Okay, cool. I pre-ordered it. Couldn't wait to get it. It comes in the DCBS box. It's, let me do a little bit of measuring. It's almost smaller than the the Dark Horse omnibuses. And it's a hardcover. I was so disappointed with the Red Rocket 7 trade that... uh that image did and the, the Mike yeah. yeah it it some of these are just fucking tiny i'm sorry and it's a black and white book 
for twenty four ninety nine, and it, it's wow. it's a little dinky thing. And I pre ordered the next volume, which was uh, Eddie Current, which has been out of print for quite a while, but that was twenty four ninety five, and the Metropole book is thirty four ninety nine. Who in their right mind is going to pay $35 for a little dinky trade? I mean, granted, it's 300 pages, but it's so small, and it's black and white. And I do not remember uh, them specifying the size of this thing when they when they solicited it, because I would have thought twice about ordering it. That's why you need to have a local comic shop. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't get the discount I got from DCBS. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. <laughs> um no, uh, Wood, you, you said you had two things that, that uh, David said, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing was, you know, he made a mention. He was, he was talking about the, the three ninety nine price hike, and he, he made the point of saying that, you know, without going into specifics, that he thought it was, it was a crime because at Ape, which, you know, on the typical Ape book, he said, certainly doesn't, you know, just doesn't sell anywhere near the kind of numbers a Marvel book would even – even you know the most successful, and yet you know they do just fine and make a tidy margin on 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 their books that you know that sell even a few thousand copies. And so you know, give the economies of scale of a Marvel or a DC, and and you know the idea that they would need to justify the increased price for even for creator costs and stuff just didn't make sense to him. And um, and again, I think that what was interesting to me on that comment is is that there's some. I, it, it reminded me of how different. I think people tend to lump small press together. You know, I mean, I think you stratify, right? I mean, I think a lot of people would would consider Image and Dark Horse kind of standalone, but then everybody else kind of gets lumped in. And and I think you have to remember how different each and every one of the the the, the publishing houses' business models are, both in terms of you know the rights you guys get as creators, the 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 upfront cost to you to get the book out. You know what you get on the back end. I mean, the entire economics of both the publisher and and the creators that that put out work under that publisher's umbrella are so different with each, which with each um, you know uh, house that it's really hard to or unfair even of us to kind of look at, at at them collectively and say the state of the industry is this because you know what would work for you or make you money as an ape creator is going to be vastly different than what might work for you at image or what might work for you if you were you know putting out something from avatar or, or you know so forth so on so it's just he kind of when he made that statement it just took me kind of a back and i said well that's interesting to hear that's good that they have a model that's making them money but i i hope then that means also that that you guys as the creators are, are getting enough of of the pie that, that you're making money off of that kind of print run too. Well, know, so. I, th- I think a lot of that speaks to what your expectations are. I mean, bear in mind, David's not doing ape full time. Mm-hmm, okay. So, you know, kind of, kind of look at when he talks about the margins as one thing. And when he's telling me your pre-orders are this, you're going to make so much money on this. When I look at it and say, yeah, but it takes me, about 16 to 20 hours to pencil and ink a page. That's not including the time I spend writing or lettering or doing the flats. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to get me 32 cents an hour. Right, um, right. So, you know, talking about you're going to make money from this or the margins are fine, it's it's all subject to, to what your expectations are. And mm-hmm. talking about my expectations, it's because of Athena Voltaire that I got to do the 24 book. It's because of Athena Voltaire that I landed the, the Canterville Ghost book for classical right. comics. Sure. Or the next project that I've got coming up. It's it's all because of the book. So even if I don't have a, um, a quantifiable financial reward 
from the comic itself, it's getting me other financial rewards. And hopefully, um, you know, if I get half a dozen trades in, I'll start seeing money from the book too. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, <laughs> I've used this analogy before. Uh, you remember in the in the Untouchables when uh, Kevin Costner's looking over the bridge? He's talking with uh, Sean Connery as the beat cop, and Connery talks about the first rule of being a policeman is you know making it home alive. The first rule of indie publishing is if you don't lose money on it, you did something right. So if you break even, you know God is right. in his heaven and everything's right in the world. Sure. Um, so I, I think it's all about what your expectation is. Yeah, we felt the same way with the uh, Windy City Con this year it was like <laughs> no seriously it's like as long as sure, we don't absolutely. lose as long as we don't lose money on this first one then we feel like we've done something right and oh sure and and luckily we you know we did okay and and i know that you feel the the same way about your comics it's uh you know it's it, i i hate that i i love and hate i guess is the best way to put it <laughs> that this that this industry and this culture that we are so passionate about and love so much is really a labor of love for so much of us you know it's like you know like you say steve about working on on athena and what you make per hour is i mean you could make more sweeping floors you know what we put into work wise into the windy city show we you know, we probably made about the same on a per hour basis. And I don't know, it's it it's great because the the community around comics is is big enough that it's it feels important, but it's small enough that you can be very connected to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that aspect of it. But because it's so limited and it's in its scope that it it really is a labor of love for anyone that really wants to throw themselves into it. And I don't know, it's it's kind of this weird double-edged sword about about comics because we we all feel very very connected to it. But uh, you know, it's um, yeah, I, I I don't know if there is any pot of gold at the end of the rainbow with this thing. <laughs> Hey, this is Bill Hanna, just calling in, listening to the podcast. Um, I think uh, the Biomax are just uh, just some of that shit that's just sitting around, you know. Fucking uh, Waller pulled that shit out of storage and decided to use it. Uh, maybe they, um, maybe after, I don't know, I'm just trying to uh, make it make sense, after they uh, they activated the uh, their brother Iomax, they, uh, they went to storage and got the... Uh, Got the old school mo- mohawk. Oh, Max. You know, a while I probably had him in some sub, 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 sub basement that uh, only she knew about because she's a bitch like that. Um, so she pulled him out. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I got these on hand, sure. Oh, uh, so she pulled him out for that. And uh, fuck, what the hell did I just hear? Um. Oh, 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 oh yeah, the uh, the clone army. Um, I, I that seems like something like they'd have to show later on, at least in like half a page or something, half a page or like two pages, just you know, show show them like uh, fucking up, like uh, like the Deadpool clones or whatever, you know. Oh, uh, so yeah, that's what I got. Uh, ho ho ho, and all that shit.
for any of us, you know, it's, yeah, and, you know, there, there's, there's movie deals and that kind of stuff out for, for guys. And they're, they, you know, they're always going to be those, those few stars that come out of it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very limited market. And, you know, I respect people like Steve that, that work so hard doing what he does. And, you know, I just look at that limited market for it. And sometimes it makes me a little sad. Oh, you and me both. Well, on that note, I think we should wrap this up. We've been doing this for almost three and a half hours. Dude, I've only been here for an hour. So, do do you think with uh, with all the the talk about you know feeling sorry for me, I'll get some pity fuck orders? Well, you better. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. baby, I'm not above that. (laughs) Pour it out, Mr. Bryant. Pour it out. (laughs) Do yourself a favor, people. Pre-order the Athena Voltaire Black Coat one-shot from Ape Entertainment. It is a one-shot, yes? Uh, yes. Oh, crap. Yes, it's a one-shot. I just, just want to make sure. i got to go on the forum and give you karma now. Oh, oh that's yes. okay. <laughs> I got I got enough of it on both sides. Do yourself a favor. Pre-order this book. Steve is a super talented creator, and we want to keep him doing this business. Just order it. It's not like you're not going to get anything from it. It's great comics, and Absolutely. it's only $2. Well, no, it's only a dollar if you're through DCBS. <laughs> Hey, I, so even if you, it's a bargain even at retail. Before we wrap up, Steve, I I did want to ask you. Speaking of good karma, any update you can give us on uh, when we might see something with uh, Ursula, Ursula Wild, and and oh, June Bob. Gosh, and yes. Um, June Bob Kim, my uh, amazing uh, art, artistic collaborator on uh, on Ursula Wild, is plugging away. Um, Way back before Chris joined us, I had mentioned, um, or if you break this into two episodes, Vince, last week. You betcha. Um, I mentioned uh, that I had struggled with writing short stories. Well, I was flattered that Ape asked us for um, an Ursula uh, free comic book day story for this year. And actually, it's the first short story I've ever written that I'm really happy with. Uh, so you get to see June Bob Kim drawing Ursula Wilde in May. It's uh, a little five-page story, and then I think the first issue, we wanted to have it by summer, but June is just killing himself. The pages look so good. Um, he's, he's pushing me on, on Athena because he's doing Ursula so well. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably see that book in, like, October. Right. Uh, three, three-issue series. It's called The Sorcerer Pope. That's cool. all I'm saying. Nice. I like that a lot. I have two June Bob commissions. And, uh, and and the fact that he's getting a chance to do interiors on a character you created makes me all kinds of giddy. So, Oh, it's so fun to watch him, though, because there are certain things that I had written where I was, I was thinking about it one way. Like, I'm specifically thinking action sequences. He stages action scenes so much better than I do. He, he's just very um, cinematic with what he's doing. His choices are, are just dynamic as hell. Um, it's funny, I used to see a lot of Brian Hitch in his work, but he's, he's channeling Kevin Nolan on this. It's just, I can't say enough. It's just beautiful. Awesome. Yes. To, to quote Vince B. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. My favorite word. All right. I, well, I have used that word too, sir. <laughs> Let's wish everyone a Merry Christmas because this is the part that comes out right before Christmas. Merry Christmas. So Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Happy if you do celebrate it, of us. <laughs> yeah, happy if you do c- celebrate the holiday, have a good one. Hope you got everything you wanted, and go hug your kids if you have them or your significant other. 
or your three-legged pit bulls. That's right. So thank you, Steve Bryant, putting the uh in a Athena Voltaire. Uh, <laughs> if, Never again, if please. You wanna hear, if you want to hear more of Chris Neesman, you can find him on Around Comics. Go listen Jason, to that James Robinson interview if you haven't, because yeah. honestly, best episode we've ever done. A lot cool. of can't super, wait. super great episode. Can't wait. Awesome, awesome, J- awesome, great time. Jason pops up on the Football Guys podcast. He- I was saying indeed, which we're thankfully coming to an end of a long, long football season. <laughs> and David does Marvel Noise, which has, at least as far as the forum goes, been merged with the 11 o'clock forum. So it's one big old stinky happy family. And Come Vince, visit us, forum. That, uh, you can find Vince beyond on any Tamagotchi forum across the, the, the world. <laughs> and my, tam- my Tamagotchi died. Vince puts the O in 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> the glory hole O. All right. God. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I wasn't really that angry tonight. Well, you started off angry. Well, you calmed down, though. <laughs> yeah. said, well, I had just gotten back from the comic fired shop, up. And I was like, look at all this expensive shit. It pissed me off. <laughs> Read Madman Atomic Comics. Read The Darkness. Uh, Oh yeah. man, you're putting me on the spot. Um, read uh, Mike Kunkel's um, Shazam. Read Tiki Joe Mysteries from uh, Slave Labor Graphics. Good call, good call. Oh, good and, and while you're at it, I'm going to say what you were going to say, so I'll pass the ball over to you. No, you probably weren't. I was going to say, because we didn't talk about it enough, you got to read Top Ten if you haven't. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say Athena Voltaire, Black Coat. <laughs> well, that, it's not out yet, but yeah, absolutely read that one. Well, you got to read it. And if, you, and, and if you don't read Fear Agent, you're a punk ass chump. <laughs> but if you want Steve but we to love pay you. his mortgage and keep making Althena Voltaire, pre order the damn book, people. Don't buy it That's off right. the shelf. Pre order it. It's a dollar. It's not going to kill you. Merry Christmas. Should we sing? Nah. All right. Say bye bye. Happy New Year, potentially, right? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, but we may be able to kick one out in between. Right, happy, sorry. happy holidays, people, and and we love you and thank you for being here. And go be safe. Yes. Bye. 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 Hey guys, Jason Hurley here, and I'm about halfway through episode 34. Loving it, but you guys kind of glossed over something I really wanted to hear your rant on, and that's Secret Invasion number eight. I personally thought it was shit. Complete shit. I, uh, you know, the the entire narrative structure of it is a flashback told through two guys' conversation was stupid. The Wasp had one of the most anticlimactic death slash disappearance, whatever you want to call it, scenes ever. And uh, it just, it sucked. It just, no ending at all, like most Bendis books. Just led right into the next miniseries, which I just don't care about. What I really wanted to call and drop on you was a little uh, analogy I've been telling people. And that's that the last five or so years of the uh, Marvel Universe, as run by Brian Bendis, has been like the world's longest hand job. At first, you know, I kind of liked it. It was okay. It was a hand job. It felt nice. But here we are five years later, and they keep promising me a big payoff, and I'm just I'm not getting it. And my junkie's been rubbed for all. I don't know about you guys, but I'm done. I'm uh, I'm putting my pants back on. I'm not putting one more dollar on that nightstand table. I'm zipping up. I'm going home. That's all I got. I'll talk to you guys later. Well, how about that? That was awesome. 
That was awesome. Steve was getting into it. I loved it. I love Steve. Steve's a good guy. And he's over here dropping the science about, you know, talking about Gal Williamson and Duncan Fregredo and and Guy Davis. And me, me with you three, I'll chime in whenever I can. I never want to interrupt Steve, but he's talking about Guy Davis. And the one thing that I remember about Guy Davis even before Sam and Mystery Theater are those ads from Amazing Heroes for the series Baker Street. Right. That's the thing that I think of when I hear Guy Davis. Yeah. I don't think that was that his first. It probably was his first published it work. May very it? well have been, yeah. Yeah, we've been following Guy for a long time, and he just keeps getting better and better with every uh, new project. Cool beans, big time. So let's talk about cheap ass trades. It's a one man operation, if I if I read correctly from uh, Mister Jeff B. Jeff G N A on our forums, and he's on the CGS forum too. Like we said, cheap ass trades. And it's one of those things where when you first encounter it, you're like, why hasn't anybody done this before? Mm-hmm. So an idea so simple, it, 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 it glistens, it, it, it's just beautiful. What you can do is, it's Google for cheap-ass trades. You just go in, you can search by, obviously, title. You can search by publisher, collected editions, comic strip collections, cover gallery editions. You can search format, black and white or color or both, or sepia. Look at that. It's got a sepia option in the can color you, uh, format. You can search by uh, binding, like hardcover, hardcover digest, paperback, slipcase hardcover, tanko bond. Come on, trade paperback. Or if you want to get into the nitty-gritty, you can just type in the series you're looking for, like Absolute Editions or Archive Editions or Marvel Classic, Marvel Legends. And he's got a, a lot of options in this thing. And then you can filter some stuff out, too. If you don't want to see Cinemanga, which is popular with the kids, but I have no interest in it, filter that shit out. Boom, it's gone. Or comic strips, as in Peanuts or Garfield. I did a search, and a lot of Garfield came up, and I was like, no, get that stuff out of here. So <laughs> you can you can nix that, too, in your preferences. It's really cool. The few searches that I've done so far are um, because the idea is cheap-ass. You're going to spend... Uh, as little money as possible. That that's the whole point. You're, you're you're trying to spend a little bit of money to get a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. I see a lot of hits coming back with like Amazon Marketplace. Can you change a setting to new only, or is it pretty much just whatever's cheapest, and that's where it's going to grab it from? Well, I, I'm not all that much experience in it, but from what I can see, you can search just from say a books or a libris or amazon new amazon oh, used okay. yeah so you can you can fine tune the the search results really really well you can search ebay buy it now or half.com wow. new and used in stock trades new condition overstock things from another world which is a really nice cool, cool company yeah because they have a lot of sales on things from another world they they blow out trades that have been sitting or that they have damaged trades that you can get for a fraction mm-hmm. of, the, of the price but yeah, I mean, even if you pay three ninety five for something that was retailing for nineteen bucks, that how can you go wrong with that? Mm-hmm. And I'm not particularly fussy about my collected editions. If these were singles, man, maybe I would be a little fussy. But collected editions, I take them to bed with me. I like to read them in in, in bed and and manhandle them, and you know, so it's it's all good. This is an amazing service. I love this. It really is. I, when yes, I, I I don't mind beating up some of. Uh some of my trades, I mean, I have an Astro City trade. I think it might be one of the first printings. That's, that's seen better days. It's not falling apart, but it is one of 
one of my more dog-eared trades. Uh, mm-hmm. But my first volume of Fear Agent, that is signed by Tony Moore. So that's not exactly something I'm going to take outside. And, Look at and, you. Well, I, I got it at uh, Wizard World Chicago. Ah. So I really want to, I want to get the first couple of Fear Agents you know, I'm not looking to catch up right away, but it's something that I'm I'm going to look into. I gotta, I gotta check out Fables, and uh, you know, so there. It, this is definitely a site that I will be using without a doubt. Yeah, I did a uh, cursory search for Ashley Wood, and I got the Doomed trade from IDW, which I think was 19.99 cover price with the postage. I got it for like less than five bucks. Wow. Yeah, and I, and like I said. I, I ordered a bunch of stuff from Amazon Marketplace. Usually when they say used, they'll specify like may have some shelfware, but for for the most part, these things come, they're they're almost as good as what I can get on the sh- on the shelf at Borders. And I, and, and I see if, if you go and, okay, for example, Fear Agent Volume 1 Reignition, I'm not sure if this is the, uh, if okay, so this is the Dark Horse edition because it, it was first put out by Image, right? Yes. Okay, so it's it. This is the Dark Horse trade, and when you click on the title of the book, it takes you to another page. You can add it to your wish list, but then it breaks down all these vendors, and you can see that someone has new for five bucks, which is a savings of sixty four percent. There's an Amazon Marketplace who has it for used for a little over five and a half bucks. Then you have a books and, and like you said, a Libra. So yeah. it, you can, if you have a preference, you can, you know, go through and see who else is selling this book and, and in stock trades, $8.42. And what's really cool is you can include the shipping and handling in the price that's displayed on the screen, or you can opt to not have it. You just want to see how much the book is going for. There's an option for that. You want to know what you're going to pay to the penny? There's an option for that, too. This is a really cool service. It and, is. And props to Wood for starting the, the yes. thread on our forum. Because we don't want to leave him out. He'll get all weepy. And, and I know. have a feeling, because he has placed an order, that we will be talking about this, <laughs> if not the first episode of, of the year, or, or episode 37, that we will be talking about it again real soon. Yeah. Everyone have a wonderful holiday and a safe holiday, and don't eat too much. Hope you get everything you want for from the big fat guy. This what, about, what about you? What about me? Uh, uh, we actually, you know what? It's sweet. In in lieu of a a Hanukkah gift, Renee is making things quote happen. Where she she's working on it so that I can go to the convention in February. Look at that. That'll be my Hanukkah present. She said. God, now I got to put up with you. Hey, no, you don't. <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I was trying to, you know, I was trying to give me an easy out. They'll never break up the team. See, even though we got two other guys doing this with us, it's still bullpen bulletins. It's still the old show. And that's Suck it. That. <laughs> I got a tear right. in my eye. Look away. All right, Chris and Wood, love you guys. Hope you yes. have a good holiday. Uh, don't hate us for doing this, but hey, you went around. What are you gonna do? Well, please, they, 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 people just got them listening to like an hour and a half of the guys. That's true. Everybody else, have a great holiday. We'll see you next week. Live it up. Bye-bye. Voices come from